0: here we go another episode of caustic soda coming right up do the old checky check in the microphone check one check two check three blah 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 glunter gluten globin Uh oh what does that sound mike i'm hearing something in the uh oh my god oh my god it's darth vader darth vader's in the darth vader's in the studio
1: oh my god he's coming to the sound booth
0: i'm gonna hide under the table
1: what is happening? He's going up to Kevin's microphone. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna say something. This is intense. They managed to rescue the princess That's and to destroy the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, but is- this time, the rebels won't be so lucky. Oh, no. Oh no, Darth the power Darth of appealing. the Death Star was insignificant compared to the power of the Force. Oh no! And with Obi-Wan Kenobi gone, no, no, Kenobi. I am the Master. Oh no, Darth Vader. He's a jerk. As the Empire strikes back. Oh no, the Empire's going to strike back. What can I do? I've got to do something. i got to get like a an X-Wing or a lightsaber or a blaster or something. I know. It's Toyot, of course. They have the largest selection of Star Wars collectibles in stock on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. They have seven sizes of custom Toyot boxes and never pack of collectibles. <gasps> they have the best 0 open package and shipping online. And they're collectors, so they know. they know what the customer expects. Why is Darth Vader just sitting here doing nothing? Did he bring his lunch? Is he leaving? Oh, my God. I think he's gone. I think he's gone. I think it's okay to come up. All right. Oh Oh, no!
0: (laughs) Toyhut.com. All too easy. Be grateful you can't see what my alien hand syndrome is doing right now. I'm Torrin Atkinson. I
2: don't have Coro syndrome. I just got out of the pool.
3: I'm Kevin Leeson. The good news is you're not criminally responsible. The bad news is we're going to be spending a long time together. I'm Dr. Rob Tarswell.
4: No children were drowned in the making of this podcast. I'm Joe Foljam, and this is Caustic Soda. <laughs>
2: That's what they all do, right? Uh,
4: Not all,
3: Mm, I don't think. Not any. (laughs) No? (laughs) Just you.
4: Why, it be Dr. Rob. Hey, Dr. Rob.
3: Welcome back. Good to be back.
4: Psychosis comes from the ancient Greek psyche, for mind and soul, and osis, for an abnormal condition or derangement. I also have another explanation for that, though. Apparently, it was introduced to the psychiatric literature in 1841 by Carl Friedrich Kanstadt in his work... Handbook der medischke, wow! <laughs> Handbook the medizinischen Clinic. He used it as a shorthand for psychic neurosis. Okay. So still okay. psyche and osis together, mm. but he meant psychic neurosis. At the time, neurosis meant any disease of the nervous system.
0: So someone who ni- who is neurotic also psychotic? No,
3: we can unpack that in the neurosis episode. <laughs> okay. No, yeah.
4: Psychophobia. Is a term that is often used for mentalism, and by mentalism we don't mean people with, who can do tricks, guessing games, uh-huh, and things like yeah. that. Uh, it's also known as sanism, which is a form of discrimination and oppression against someone because of a, the mental trait or condition they have, or are judged to have. So
2: you see somebody and they have a men, they have an so, obvious mental condition, and you go, Eww, yeah, and you,
4: you treat them like very poorly person. because of that, yeah.
0: So this may be opening a can of worms, but I would like to know a little bit more about the clinical classification and separation of different mental disorders. Definition? Like what defines a psychosis as opposed to other mental disorders? Okay,
3: well, the hallmark of uh, psychosis would be, one, can be uh, hallucinations, which is sensory perceptual abnormality in any one of the five senses. Mm. Okay. Seeing things that aren't there, hearing noises or voices that aren't there, unusual smells, tastes, sensations on the skin... And then certain phenomena, such as derealization or depersonalization. De-reali- you, can,
2: you can taste a hallucination?
3: Yeah, alpha, um, gustatory hallucinations, they're oh. called. Yeah. Huh.
2: How do I know I'm not having one right now? Do you what taste you? anything other than your tongue? Yeah, like B.O. and man fart.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, that was me.
3: Uh, I think that's reality-based. Uh, yeah, yeah. Damn it. Sorry. I was really hoping. I was aiming. The hallucination is distinct from an illusion. An illusion is linked with some sort of actual sensory stimulation, which gets misperceived and misinterpreted. Right, okay. A hallucination, there is actually completely no in your stimulation. Mind. Yeah, right. it is, it's completely, yeah, that's right. It's internal, made out of a whole cloth. It's internal. Phenomenon.
4: So an illusion, like if you would see... Uh, lights or something, and then your brain would just kind of go, oh, that's a spaceship or something. Something like
3: that, or people who are recovering from, uh, say, alcohol withdrawal and get into a mild delirium, and every time they look in the corners and see shadows, they think it's like spiders or bugs. Right, okay. Good times! That would be the sensory aspect of psychosis. The next one would be disorders of thought form or thought process, and those can be anything from somebody who is, say, over-inclusive, doesn't know how to stay on topic. If you ask them a question, jams in all kinds of extra relevant detail. Or they're tangential. They can't even address the topic, and they just go off on uh, tangents and never come back to the original topic. There can be loosening of associations, which is when just about anybody would start to notice there's something wrong. Like you say, oh, that's a really nice shirt you're wearing. Oh, yes, this shirt reminds me of the ship by the shore. And so that would be sort of what we would call clang associations. Clang? Yeah.
0: Wasn't he one of the Klingons? <laughs>
3: <laughs> he might have been, because they sound the same. Or okay. you can kind of get the sense that, say, somebody is talking about getting a message from the moon, and it reminded them of the cow, because the cow flies over the moon, and then they right. had a glass of milk. So sort of, these things sort of link together. They're right. loosely associated. Okay. Then all the way to something that we would call word salad, which somebody can't even make sentences word anymore. Word salad? Word salad, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Tasty. I've had uh, word cereals, but never a <laughs> word, word salad. salad. And then the, should make that the Alfa- end. Alphaghetti, <laughs> alphabets, and work. alpha salad. But then after
4: the lettuce wilts, it's really hard
3: to read. <laughs> the, the end of the line there, in terms of disorders of thought, form, or process, would be neologisms, where somebody is actually coining their own words with idiosyncratic definitions. Oh, and like they're, Gary they're Busey doing does. it on the fly,
2: like Gary Busey does with all those like where he says a word and then he like defines each letter in the word. What? You've never seen these like buseyisms No. Oh, yeah. we gotta put a link. I'm sure there's video of it for sure. <laughs> we put a link to, uh, of it's, this up on the website. Was it most
4: on Entourage that he was doing stuff like that? No, no. Or...
2: Entourage. They wrote it in because he was doing this in <laughs> okay. real life, right? So what he does is he says, uh, he says, "Oh, that's great." And then he'll go, G stands for you know, garrific and R stands for righteous, and E stands for echo. And then he like creates like a sentence out of each letter in the word. You seriously yeah. guys have never seen this? No. And then tells you how
4: important that is. And then tells you like, how that's yeah. why the word is so important because it has all those elements in it that are you can see in his eyes when he says this that he thinks that he's imparting great
3: wisdom to you. And, and it like, barely makes see? sense. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. People just kind of go
4: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Psychotic Thanks. or
3: just kooky? Well, good question. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, so I can't render. You're going to make All a on. diagnosis right Hold
0: here? Let's... <laughs> well, you... I'd be very
3: surprised if that would count as a neologism. A neologism would typically be a bizarre definition for a conventional word or oh. c- a collision of two parts of words. Like, they really are bizarre, new idiosyncratic words. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Nothing to do with reality. Okay. Right? Uh, and then finally, there would be disorders of thought content, which could range from overvalued ideas... Such as, hey, you know, you guys, I'm reading a lot about the mafia and I'm I'm really worried about that and all of a sudden there's a hitman on their tail. Nope. That's kind of kicking it up to a higher level. The okay. overvalued idea is somebody who just is, becomes preoccupied with the mafia for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next level would be something like a, per, like a delusion. So a delusion is a firmly fixed false belief that's not amenable to persuasion or evidence. It's oh, not like, shakable, right? Like
2: your roommate is a mafia hitman and he's going to take you out. Yeah. So he's got to go.
3: well that can happen right yeah 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 i've admitted uh, a patient to the hospital who became convinced that individuals in his life were nazis nazi racists and needed to be stopped okay Uh, okay you're coming into the hospital now Mm.
2: well medication
3: that's how the movies always start And the doctor never believes them. (laughs) And then there really are Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that, because uh, a a patient that wasn't in my care, but one I was aware of, kept claiming to be a member of royal family of a certain island society. Oh, okay. And um, one day, her treating psychiatrist decided to call the family and say, okay, now look, um, she's not kind of seeing small animals anymore she's not talking to trees and but she really thinks that this is is going on like what's really going on oh yeah yeah she's a princess <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. oh all right
3: well i guess you can leave the hospital now. <laughs> so well if Hollywood, we're has, not immune to mistakes right?
2: if hollywood has taught me anything it's that there are two types of psychotics There are the people who become serial killers, and then there are the cute, adorable ones who are just charming in a weirdo sort of way. Well, actually,
4: this brings up something that I found out when we were doing the research, which is that a psychopath and a psychotic are completely different, and we get these mixed up. And it's typically psychopaths that become serial killers, right? Right. Right. So, whereas psychotics just have these. Could you
3: be a psychotic psychopath? You can. Uh, Luckily, because you're psychotic, though, you're going to be a lot tend to be more disorganized because you got problems with thought (laughs) form, (laughs) right? So, so if you're gonna come in contact with a psychopath, you want them to be a psychotic psychopath. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's uh, I mean not even necessarily psychopathic, but maybe just sort of antisocial. I mean, right. if you don't have work skills, if you don't have the organizational ability to rent an apartment and live, and okay. you sleep on park benches, well, you're probably gonna get by with low-level crime, and stealing chocolate bars, right. things like that. Wait a I minute, mean, stealing chocolate bars is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> not for you okay. not for you <laughs>
4: it's the one advantage of having Ooh. a semi-known podcast oh yeah <laughs> look the other way when you yeah, talk yeah, just like just let him yeah,
3: go yeah, yeah, just let yeah. him go
4: Torrin just think of it as me donating go ahead take <laughs> it it's
3: yeah. fine so working in Vancouver has taught me one thing uh-huh. the two types of psychotics seem to be pushing the shopping cart into the middle of the street oh yeah, yeah. and the long lost child of Pierre Trudeau
5: Oh really? Yeah, like yeah. For, there was
3: a year where I just had had a total run of people who were admitted because they in a psychotic state. They were just pushing shopping carts out into the street or lying down in traffic. And then three patients in a row who thought that literally they were the long lost. It was probably right around when son the, uh, of when that memoirs book came
4: out when he wrote his autobiography. Was somebody just going around planting ideas in their
3: head? I have no idea. I don't know where this came from. It was a little spike and then it just went away. I've, All right, you know, okay. I've never seen it since. It's a uniquely Canadian psychosis. <laughs> Well, Pierre Trudeau was rather Randy. Mm-hmm. Who knows how <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> So psychosis was was uh the term was coined in uh, 1841 like we said and it kind of made history a little difficult to look for before that because before that you were just crazy and insane and it was hard to or a witch or a witch or something like that. Uh the one that immediately came to mind was Joan of Arc. Oh uh, yeah. Because okay. of course she would hear voices, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a, definitely a reality break. And uh, for those of you who might not know, she was a a folk heroine of France uh, and a Roman Catholic saint. She was a peasant girl born in what is now eastern France who claimed divine guidance, and she ended up leading the French army to several important victories during the Hundred Years' War. Uh, She claimed to hear God telling her that she needed to lead the armies of France to victory. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, she's obviously out of her mind, and who would these crazy people be that would go, okay, crazy French peasant girl who says she can hear God, here you go, here's our armies. Well, it turns out the French court was actually quite suspicious of her, and they grilled her with questions, and they tried to like catch her subtly to Mm -hmm. make her say crazy things so they could go, don't believe her, she's crazy, because apparently they had quite a bit of experience with madness. The previous king was called King Charles the Mad. Mm. But she answered quite rationally to all these questions and seemed to be uh, of a good mind, except that she heard these voices. And part of the legend too, she found like a sword
2: out in a field or something, and that was supposed to be like a divine sign that uh, she was meant to lead. Isn't
4: that King Arthur? I think that's King Arthur. Uh, no, there was Joan of Arc as well. A lot of swords lying around in Europe. <laughs> so then what I did was I decided to go from this because I couldn't find much on that. Like it's hard to, to talk about whether or not somebody in history was psychotic, whether they're right. suffering from psychosis. Nobody mm-hmm. was there to actually make make the decision on that. So they, I started to look have, at... They didn't have cat scanners I uh, You know, Europe? French medicine has always been behind.
2: Right. They went to leeching the brain.
4: That's right. And the leeching was inconclusive. <laughs> yeah. Sir, we've drawn a lot of blood. <laughs> we've thrown the blood into patterns and we can't tell. It <laughs> is such something a doctor would say, Ah, oh, your leeching is inconclusive, I, I, sir. I, I, We're going to have to
2: continue <laughs> with another round. I,
4: I can't conclusively determine that she's not talking to God. <laughs> so I think we have to accept that she is. Yeah. That's, That's just his- good science. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Rigorous. Mm-hmm. So then I went on to look at the history of the insanity of defense, right? So this is kind of the break from reality as a, a, an explanation for doing criminal acts. Criminal acts. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to, especially early on, mostly have to do with uh, assassination attempts. So James Hadfield in uh, 1800. Wait a minute. Wasn't he the lead singer for Metallica? That's uh, James Hetfield. Okay. He attempted to assassinate George III of uh, England in 1800, but he was acquitted of attempted murder by reason of insanity. On the evening of 15th of May, 1800, at the Theatre Royal in Drury Lane, during the playing of the National Anthem, Hadfield fired a pistol at the king standing in the royal box. He missed his target, though it is unclear whether he simply intended to signal to the king or try to kill him and missed. Oh, okay. He then addressed the king, announcing... God bless you, your Royal Highness. I like you very well. You are a good fellow. Hadfield was tried for high treason and was defended by Thomas Erskine, the leading barrister of that era. Hadfield pleaded insanity, but the standard of the day for a successful plea was that the defendant must be, quote, lost to all sense, incapable of forming a judgment upon the consequences of the act which he is about to do. So basically, in order to be insane, you had to be stark, raving mad. Yeah, Yeah. the
3: wild beast test is what that was called. Yeah, exactly.
4: Hadfield's planning of the shooting appeared to contradict such a claim. Erskine chose to challenge the insanity test, instead contending that delusion, quote, unaccompanied by frenzy or raving madness was the true character of insanity. Two surgeons and a physician testified that the delusions were the consequence of his earlier head injuries. Uh, The judge at this point halted the trial, declaring that the verdict was, quote, clearly an acquittal, but, quote, the prisoner for his own sake and for the sake of society at large must not be discharged. So the judge basically agreed to, you're right, this man is not thinking properly, but... You can't let him go. You can't let him go. Yeah. Who uh, knows he's going to take a that, pot
3: shot at. And that brings up an interesting uh, thing that you uh, run into culturally all the time. People often feel angry and cheated when somebody ends up being found not criminally responsible right. Right. and put into a forensic psychiatric hospital instead of into prison. Uh, Well, because if Hollywood has taught us anything, it's that that's a cakewalk. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's (laughs) like a vacation. One one flew over the the cuckoo's
4: nest. That was nothing. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. To which I often reply, well, you know, what's the difference between a judge and a psychiatrist? Well, a psychiatrist can lock you up forever. Mm. Um, (laughs) So, for instance, we come back to that chocolate bar example. Say you walk into a store, chocolate bar, cops get called. Uh, You'll probably get taken downtown and booked, and that'll be it. The psychotic guy, he does that. He ends up in front of the magistrate. The magistrate says, well, we better order a 30-day psychiatric evaluation for fitness to stand trial and criminal responsibility. So the 30 days pass. As you go back to court, he's barely fit to stand trial. We don't believe he's criminally responsible. So then he gets turned over for forensic remand. Two years later, he's still in the hospital and all the poor guy did was, you know, steal a Snickers.
2: It says, take a Snickers and say, I will feed all the children of the world with this.
4: Next time Torren steals a chocolate
3: bar, I'm going to
4: accuse him of being crazy. And then they'll <laughs> interview him and they'll go, you're right. He's bonkers. Your Honor, I'd like to submit as evidence, Article A, the entire run of Caustic Soda, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the man is clearly out of his mind. I'm just going to wait until your back is turned before he steals any chocolate bars, that's all. <laughs> there really was no certain fate for anybody back then found uh, not guilty by right. reason of insanity, they right. were often just released back to the safekeeping of their families. Of course, since this was a, a treasonous assassination attempt on the king, <laughs> Parliament speedily passed the Criminal Lunatics Act of 1800,
6: oh. mm. which provided
4: for the indefinite detention of insane defendants, and Hadfield was detained in Bethlehem Royal Hospital for the rest of his life, short, save for a short period when he escaped. <laughs> Oh. Uh, uh, and uh, he was fairly quickly. He returned. ate his way out. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, on the afternoon of 20th of January, 1843, the prime minister's private secretary, civil servant Edward Drummond, was walking towards Downing Street from Charing Cross when Daniel McNaughton approached him from behind, drew a pistol and fired a point blank uh, shot into his back. It is generally thought, although the evidence is not conclusive, that McNaughton was under the impression that he had shot the Prime Minister, Robert Peel. He had apparently been skulking around. and Stalking. The defense brought forth many medical experts who testified that McNaughton's delusions, he thought that he had been uh, oppressed... by the The government and the Conservatives. His delusions had deprived him of, quote, all restraint over his actions, and when the prosecution could not bring forth experts to refute these claims, the the jury found him not guilty by reason of insanity. And this trial led to what is known as the McNaughton Rules, uh, because they had to make (laughs) up... What
0: McNaughton did and did not do. Right. Do you qualify? Uh, Or or, (laughs) or as the English
2: might say, this is just McNaught on. (laughs)
4: I thought that was pretty good. They had to start to come up with an explanation of what it would take to be found not guilty by reason of insanity. Did the defendant know what he was doing? And if so, that it was wrong. Because they kind of saw
2: McNaughton getting an acquittal as a result of this and they kind of went, uh-oh. This might be the floodgates.
4: People might start to fake it. That's right. Uh, People might start to just say that they're insane and get away with this stuff. We have to come up with some clear rules. Yeah, we've got to draw a line in in the peanut butter. And those rules, with a few changes, have lasted pretty much till modern day. I mean, we've...
2: These rules have informed at least a half a dozen Law & Order episodes. Dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. McNaughton da, 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 da. And the McNaughton
4: show Andrea Yates was a former Houston, Texas resident who killed her five children oh, by nice. drowning them in the bathtub of her house Oh, you I do this? know this case Yes,
2: absolutely You were there uh, No, I <laughs> He was the sixth child <laughs> He's the one that got away. I was
4: held underwater just long enough to create me. <laughs> She'd been pu- suffering for some time with very severe postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis. Uh, this became a big news story. Uh, she basically drowned her kids, and then yeah, the media kind of presented it, and and the public started to think she quote got away with it. And and I admit that I, at first I kind of felt the same way. Like really, she's going to get away with that? This is that's a horrible thing she did. I'm going to go through a lot of the details of what this woman went through leading up to this. And I think anybody thinking this is going to change their mind. Speak to me, soul sister. Following the birth of their fourth son, Luke, Andrea became depressed. Uh, In June of 1999, her husband, Rusty, found her shaking and chewing her fingers. The next day, she attempted to commit suicide by overdosing on pills. She was admitted to hospital and prescribed antidepressants. After she, re- she was released from that, she begged her husband to let her die as she held a knife up to her neck. She was hospitalized again, given Haldol, which seemed to help and released. One month later, she succumbed to a nervous breakdown, which culminated in two suicide attempts and two psychiatric hospitalizations that summer. She was do- diagnosed with postpartum psychosis. Maybe they shouldn't have left her alone with her five children. Oh, just you Wait. <laughs> Her first psychiatrist, Dr. Eileen Starbranch, testified that she urged the couple not to have more children What was the as, psychi- quote, oh. it would guarantee further psychotic depression. What was the psychiatrist's name? It sounded made up. Uh, Eileen Starbranch. It sounds like a D&D character. It might be. Mm-hmm. She p- might be part
2: elf.
0: Okay. Could be half elf. I'm yeah. going to write that down. <laughs> Eileen Starbranch. I got my next character.
4: <laughs> half elf psychiatrist. However, she was a a follower of the Quiverful movement, Uh which meant that they, uh, because of what God said uh, in the Bible about uh, having lots of babies, you should try to have as many babies as nature will allow. So they achieved their fifth and final child approximately seven weeks after her discharge. In order to have that child, she stopped taking Haldol. Uh, She gave birth to their daughter Mary on November 30th of 2000, and she seemed to be coping well until the death of her father on March 12th of 2001. She then stopped taking her medication, mutilated herself, read the Bible feverishly. She stopped feeding her youngest child, Mary. She became so incapacitated that she required immediate hospitalization. On April 1st of 2001, she came under the care of Dr. Mohammed Saeed. She was treated and released. And then on May 3rd of 2001, she de- degenerated back into a near catatonic state and drew a bath in the middle of the day. She would later confess to police that she had planned to drown the children that day, but it had decided against doing it then. She was hospitalized the next day after a scheduled doctor visit. Her psychiatrist determined that she was probably suicidal and had filled the tub to drown herself. Mm -hmm. She continued under Dr. Saeed's care until June 20th of 2001, when Rusty left for work, leaving her alone to watch the children against Dr. Saeed's instructions to supervise her around the clock. Rusty's mother, Dora Yates, had been scheduled by him to arrive an hour later to take over for her. In the space of that hour, she drowned all five children. Awesome. So you're totally right. All the experts said, don't leave her alone with the kids. She is not right in the mind. She is not uh, responsible. She doesn't know what she's doing. And the husband left her, went to work, and she had an hour window. And that she did. She started with the youngest boys, and after drowning them in her bathtub, laid them in her bed. She then drowned Mary, whom she left floating in the tub. Her oldest son, Noah, came in and asked what was wrong with Mary. He then ran, but she soon caught up with him and drowned him. How she... old
0: was the oldest son? More
2: than five. Older than five years old, I'm guessing. I'm no Sherlock Holmes. Well,
0: then why are you wearing that deer hat and the, <laughs> smoking that pipe?
2: And why is Dr. Watson standing right
4: behind me? It's Dr. Rob. <laughs> 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 you are Watson for these purposes, sir. No, it was seven. Seven, seven years, years old. old. Okay. Uh, he then ran, but she soon caught up with him and drowned him. She then left him floating in the tub and laid Mary in her brother's arms. Afterward, she called the police. Then she called her husband, saying, only, it's time, repeatedly. Indeed it was. Mm -hmm. In the first trial, she was found guilty of murder because one of the psychiatrists had testified that there had been a Law and Order episode in which a woman had drowned her five children and gotten away with murder by the insanity defense. And he claimed that she may have seen this, and that this was why she had thought she could get away with it.
2: So basically, he got on the stand and said, "If Hollywood has taught her anything,
4: (laughs) exactly, that you can get away with murder." Yeah. In a retrial, a writer for Law and Order testified that there was no such show ever created. Oh, nice. And so that oh. psychiatrist had to admit that he brought forth false evidence. There was a retrial, and in the retrial, she was found not guilty, not guilty for Justin. reasons of insanity.
3: I can't think of his name. There's a well-known uh, psychiatrist in Texas who's known as Dr. Death. That's not his real name? That's not his real name. Okay. okay. He often testifies for the prosecution, and his testimony, until uh, his really sloppy methodology was revealed, was uh, often paramount to the prosecution in obtaining death sentences. So nice. he, he gained the moniker, Dr. Death. That's... You know
2: what would be totally awesome in like a close circle kind of way is if they did a law and order episode about a psychiatrist that made up facts about a law and order episode and then That'd they had be to, so they, wouldn't be they wouldn't
0: be able to call it law and order though. But
2: some show, <laughs> some cop show, right? And that they would, uh, that, that would become yeah, a law and order episode. Justice and punishment. That would be
4: awesome. Justice and punishment. block blomp. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they could use their own theme song. It'll be all Cynthia,
4: though, mm. <laughs> and they could put the guy from. Uh... It sounded like you were squeezing. It was more kitty. I was more kitty than Cynthia. That works too. Would they have the guy doing the cheesy lines, putting on the sunglasses? Because yeah.
0: Justice's punishment is
4: all cats. <laughs> okay.
1: Meow <laughs> meow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Are you telling me that he was not guilty for reason of catnip? <laughs> The Andrea Yates one was big because it got into the news again, and you saw this shift of everybody screaming, that's terrible that she can get off on this by reason of insanity. But then you started to see a discussion show up, and people started to learn that this woman was seriously, seriously disturbed... And not responsible for her own actions. Like, mm-hmm. she should have been taken care of. She yeah. probably should have been institutionalized, yeah, I would imagine. I would think. Uh,
3: when I'm involved in a postpartum psychosis, the first thought in my mind is, okay, where are the kids? Are they safe? Because this kind of thing can happen. It can happen very fast and be very tragic. One hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah.
4: She had one hour and she drowned all five kids.
3: Yeah. And then, I mean, the nice thing about it, it didn't happen in this case, but uh, the women who develop postpartum psychosis do extremely well usually, and they're extremely grateful that the system stepped in right. at the, you know, in a crucial moment.
2: So what is it that causes postpartum psychosis?
3: Oh, good question. Well, what causes psychosis? The, uh, the juries uh, Bonk I mean, on the it, head? It, <laughs> I mean, there can be what we call primary psychotic disorders, um, which is kind of a fancy way of saying, you know, we're not quite sure why that happens. In the 1960s, we first discovered neurotransmitters, and the neurotransmitter dopamine was discovered in Parkinson's disease. That's my disease. favorite. <laughs> is that your favorite, <laughs> yeah, <the> <laughs> Because it was discovered by a guy named Arvid Carlson that um, dopamine is decreased in Parkinsonism, which is the, the, where you get kind of rigid and slow and tremulous. Right. And that led to the, fir- the development of the first anti-Parkinsonian agents, which increased dopamine in the brain. And some individuals who got these agents would become psychotic. So then mm. that led to the first, the dopamine hypothesis of psychosis, which is that it's an excess of dopamine. And then it was later found out that not everyone who gets excess dopamine uh, psychotic. gets psychotic. Okay. Um, not everyone who's psychotic has excess dopamine. But it did lead to the development of a number of antipsychotics, which basically block the uptake of dopamine. So
2: is, that's that inhibitor thing.
3: So what antipsychotics will do is, if you think about the um, the synaptic cleft, that's where one axon ends, there's a little gap, and then there's the, the dendritic connection to the next neuron. Dopamine gets released into the synaptic cleft, and it gets picked up by dendritic receptors on the other side. Okay. It makes a sound... <laughs> right. <laughs> and what uh, antipsychotic medications do is they prevent the postsynaptic Receptors, they block the postsynaptic receptors from grabbing the dopamine. Okay, all right, and that helps. Uh, It helps a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, it comes with a lot of side effects of its own, and the like superpowers. Well, (laughs) not superpowers. Uh, There can it can it can cause movement disorders of its own because your brain is always trying to adapt to changes in its own environment. So Mm -hmm. if you're blocking dopamine uptake, uh, the the parts of your brain, the sort of the deep cortical structures that control movement they hypertrophy, they grow. Hypertrophy. Yeah. Not Mm. atrophy. No. But hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. They get bigger. They start expressing more dopamine receptors. Like, where's the dopamine? Where's the dopamine? Where's the dopamine? And eventually, you end up with a movement system that becomes super sensitized to dopamine. So if you took them off the drug... Then, what crazy stuff would happen? Well, they can get actually pretty severe movement disorders, so tardive dyskinesia is the most common one you can get tardive
0: really dyskinesia tardive
3: dyskinesia yes I will uh, remember that and that's the onset of l- l- tardive meaning late okay. dyskinesia mm-hmm. meaning dyskinetic okay uh, unusual movements, and it often it's sort of weird oral facial movements rolling in. yeah sort of look ticky type type movements All right. and it can be really tough to treat and it can be coarse it can be you know, socially embarrassing. It can even be have pretty severe functional problems. If you have severe or facial dyskinesias and you can't chew or swallow, that's a problem.
4: And, and if that movement ends up going through time, then you call it tardis psychosis. Oh, I see. A Doctor Who reference. Interesting. <laughs> a much better one.
5: <laughs>
0: Tardive, tardis? Well, I've got a few interesting, uh, what I think are psychoses, and we can prove or disprove these. Let's take a vote. Psychosis is about <laughs> Psychosis democracy. By democracy. Yeah. There's the capgrass delusion. Okay. in which a patient believes her friends or family members are not who they say they are and that the real people have been replaced by identical-looking imposters. Oh. Case study. A 74-year-old married housewife believed that her husband had been replaced by another unrelated man. She refused to sleep with the imposter, locked her bedroom and door at night, asked her son for a gun, and finally fought with the police when attempts were made to hospitalize her. At times, she believed her husband was her long-deceased father... She easily recognized other family members and would misidentify only her husband. That one was very
3: convenient, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> and that, I yeah. am no longer married. <laughs> I, I don't need to file for divorce. This is not my husband.
3: <laughs> and uh, capgrass delusion is actually sometimes led to uh, homicide. All right, like, because you are so like stranger kapow! Get out of my house! Yeah. what, the what the hell are you are doing in my bed? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: Stop touching me there! Oh my god!
3: Uh, but if capgrass patients talk to a
0: loved one on the phone, they will recognize the voice. But if that loved one enters the room, the patient will accuse his friend or family member of being an imposter. Oh, wacky. Because hearing and sight take different pathways to reach the brain's emotional center, correct or discorrect? (laughs) Discorrect. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure what discorrect is, so I'll go with correct. I'm going
4: to say discorrect is an anti-correct word. Okay, good. (laughs) Then we have
0: Frigoli delusion. Uh, do you have to pronounce it that way? Nope. Good, I can't. <laughs> the exact opposite of the calfgrass delusion, the Frigoli delusion is a rare disorder in which a person holds a belief that different people are in fact a single person who changes appearance or is in Whoa. disguise. Yeah. Oh. Named after the Italian actor Leopoldo Frigoli, who is renowned for his ability to make quick changes of appearance during <laughs> his stage act. <laughs> okay. Uh, first reported in 1927 by two psychiatrists who discussed the case study of a 27-year-old woman who believed that she was being persecuted by two actors whom she often went to see at the theater. She believed that these people pursued her closely, taking the form of people she knows or meets. Okay. Fregoli, delusion. So she thought everybody in the world
2: was like these two actors yeah. who were just following her around. Yeah. So she'd go to the store and be like, hey, I'd like uh, a bag of flour, please. And then, oh no, it's you again following me.
3: Was one of those actors for goalie?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was just a big fan. Maybe this was, this was super fandom. How do they explain form. two
4: people in the same room, though? Like, I think they clone themselves. I don't know. You're, you're both that guy pretending to be somebody else.
2: Maybe that's why she needed two actors. Maybe this woman was the first person to ever get out of the Matrix. Ooh. She's Neo.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. A... So humanity's in trouble.
4: <laughs> we just think it. We just, we don't know. Re- she sees reality, we don't. Yeah. We're in trouble. Well, We're enslaved. She's, she's going to save us, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it was a tough start. <laughs> <laughs> we need a new Neo.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, we talked about uh, Cotard Syndrome on the zombie episode, because okay. in Cotard Syndrome, if you recall from the episode, is when you believe that you are dead.
3: Yeah. You believe the walking dead, you...
0: Yes. And your body is rotting away.
3: Or I've had patients who have literally believed that their organs have vanished, their bodies have vanished, and that they're just a head lying on a pillow. Ooh. Uh, Their organs have turned to liquid and drained out. Um, Yeah, it takes a lot of different manifestations. We talked
2: about a um, guy who uh, had Cotard syndrome after a motorcycle accident. His mother took him to South Africa, and he thought he'd actually traveled to hell. He thought they were And his mother was like a ghost. Yeah, his mother was like uh, Virgil was like...
0: it was showing him around the underworld. Ghost Rider. Yeah. Then there's Alien Hand Syndrome, sometimes known as Dr. Strangelove Syndrome. <laughs>
2: you just made that up. That's not true. <laughs> no, it, no, is it true. totally is. Because <laughs> Dr. Strangelove's hand. Yeah, no, his hand is out of control. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. so obviously this is where your hand just starts doing things on its own. Would you say this is a, a yeah, psychosis? I mean, it's
3: more neurologically driven. But, right. um...
2: Ooh, they could also call this Evil Dead Syndrome.
3: I mean, it wouldn't fit in the sort of the traditional realm of something like... I mean, well, I mean, it would, because you, you have a delusional belief about your hand, but you also can't okay. get control of your hand back. Right. But what's interesting is the hand often has, seems to behave with evil intent. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> Did you read that?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hand will often behave in ways that sort of harm the individual. Yeah,
2: I've seen uh, footage of this woman. It was, it was during a, uh, an episode of television on brain injury, and her, she couldn't control her right hand. Her right hand would often slap her in the face. So they, they show video of this happening. She's lying in a hospital bed, and her right hand is just slapping her in the face at full force, just repeatedly over and over and over. And she's crying and screaming and yelling, help me. And this hand is just... Mein Führer, I can walk!
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, because usually it is the left hand that is thought to be alien. Oh, because maybe because that's the backwards. one controlled by the right hemisphere. Oh, maybe maybe I have the hands backwards. But one of her hands was slapping her okay. The face. Okay, well, I, I, I it says usually it's the left hand, okay, so not always. Mm-hmm. And it's always an alien hand, never an alien leg or foot. Oh. the brain has more bilateral control over the legs than it does the arms. Plus, you'd have to be like a pretty limber ballerina to slap <laughs> yourself <laughs> in the face with, with your foot. foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in one recorded case of alien hand syndrome, while a 67 year old man slept, his hand did not. As a 1997 medical journal article reports, his hand crept and crawled, especially at night, which caused him to awaken by grasping his collar. He solved this problem by wearing an
4: oven mitt as he slept. That's not the word I thought he was he was saying. In, in slow motion, as those as those sounds were entering my brain, call, grasping his collar, and I was gonna go. I do that. Oh,
0: well. In another case uh, from a 2000 journal article, a 73-year-old man's alien hand had a humiliating favorite hobby: masturbation. <laughs>
4: It's not humiliating. Now, why? What According causes to the this alien? Journal? It what? is
3: at the opera. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I
4: lobbed that up for somebody to hit. I'm like... Do you want to talk about Wendigo psychosis, Joe? Wendigo psychosis refers to a condition in which sufferers developed an insatiable desire to eat human flesh even when other food sources are readily available. That's psychosis? It's hmm. often as a result of prior famine cannibalism. Uh, yeah, it's traditionally been identified by Western psychologists as what's called a culture-bound syndrome. There's actually some debate over whether it's actually a genuine disorder. It was very popular among psychologists in the early 1900s. And uh, some, though, think that it's just a misinterpretation of northern Algonquin myths and cultures. But it's basically that members of these aboriginal communities where they've got the Wendigo cannibal stories, that many people actually fear that they're turning into a Wendigo, like a Wendigo cannibal. And then they ask that they would be executed before they hurt anybody. based on these horrible feelings uh, and they get this drive to consume human flesh.
2: There is an episode in season four of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, in which uh, Dee and Charlie become convinced that they have an insatiable desire for human flesh. because uh, Frank convinces them that he fed them human flesh without, like, a, a dead hobo without their knowledge. Right. And they thought it was the most delicious thing they'd ever eaten, so now they thought they had a taste for human that flesh. That
4: show is so great, but so random that I have hard time a hard time remembering. one episode from another. Because you start talking about it, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, oh, is that the one where they got addicted to crack cocaine? No. Oh, no, that's not the one. Yeah,
0: that's a different one. One of the more famous cases of Wendigo psychosis involved a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner. During the winter of 1878, Swift Runner and his family were starving and his eldest son died. 25 miles away from emergency food supplies at a Hudson's Bay company post, Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. Given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies and that he killed and consumed the remains of all those present, it was revealed that Swift Runners was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but rather a man suffering from psychosis. Another well-known case involving, or he actually became a Wendigo.
4: Why? Well, that's
0: the other
2: logical the, explanation. The outside chance.
4: Yeah, yeah. you can't rule it out. Or his wife and family got taken over by Agent Smith, and he had to fight them to the death. Sadly, or they turned into chocolate, <laughs> and he had an. Ch- like if we're going to make shit up, let's just make up all the things that could possibly be. The land of now. That's chocolate. not my.
3: That's not my favorite culture-bound syndrome, and I think you mentioned it. Oh, yeah, there are a few. Koro uh, is probably my favorite.
0: Koro syndrome, yeah. Cases have only been found in Asian, mostly Chinese cultures. People suffering from Koro believe that their genitalia, the penis in men, the nipples in women, mm. are shrinking and will eventually disappear inside of them. There are even extreme cases where patients will believe that their genitalia is not only going inside of them, but is going to kill them when it succeeds. It's like they're being attacked by their genitalia. What? Since it affects only a specific subset of the population, it is believed that psychosexual conflicts, personality factors, and cultural beliefs play a significant part in the development of this disorder in
2: individuals. why is this
3: a culture-bound disorder? Because it only happens in uh, particular Asian cultures. No, I know, but why does it only happen in particular Asian cultures? <laughs> well, why is Wendigo only happen to Plains Indians?
2: Who because knows? they have a Wendigo story. Nobody else has a Wendigo so, story. So,
4: is there a story about a penis retracting into people's bodies and killing the host? Yeah, that I don't know. Chinese but uh,
3: some individuals who get so terrified of being poisoned by the internalized penis will tie a brick to it. I or... saw that guy in
4: the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He totally he was... tied a brick to his piercing of his penis and then swung it around in front of us. He was yeah.
0: just suffering. Uh, from coro it was yeah uh, <laughs> coro therapy
2: he
4: turned this this horrible crippling disease into an amazing show and a career good for
2: him uh like are there different reasons for psychosis? like is it brain damage will cause it sometimes yep. but as well infections
3: like, can do it inflammation a, can do it a,
2: chemi- like a chemical imbalance
3: can well, do well that was it. sort of the, the dopamine hypothesis yeah. yeah and certainly we know that kind of in support of the dopamine hypothesis Uh, use of psychostimulants which are strongly dopaminergic or dopamine secreting agents can often lead to psychosis so that would be things like cocaine crystal meth. LSD? Yeah, those are, those are psychotogenic drugs as well. But LSD and things like magic mushroom psilocybin or even sort of the low-level somatic um, effects that come from something like, say, marijuana or THC, those often aren't driven by dopamine. Those are more driven by um, serotonin or, in the case of um, THC, by cannabinoid receptors. So um, there's a lot more unknown about the story than than known, although you know okay. knowledge is increasing all the time. I've
2: got an anecdotal story about LSD, and let me tell you. Like, okay. you tell me if you think that it, this is this story is true or not, because I was always sort of like <laughs> well, you weren't there. It. No, it, I had a girlfriend who told me. That, so it's you know, someone else's
0: anecdote.
2: Somebody else's anecdote okay. about a, a, somebody that she went to high school with who went to a party and did a bunch of acid and then true. Like left.
5: The, that probably happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: I know those dudes.
2: <laughs> yeah, left the party and then was disappeared for like. 10 days or 14 days or something like that and called his parents from Eugene, Oregon saying he didn't know how he got there or where he'd been in the intervening time and uh, just, you know, please come and get me.
3: And then he was, like, institutionalized because he had, like, a psychotic wow. break. Or I'm in Eugene. Send more LSD. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
2: maybe,
4: take maybe it I'll, here. Maybe I'll wander back.
2: <laughs> get me out of Eugene. Like, uh, does that sound like something that LSD could cause? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You could have, like, a psychotic break
3: and just yeah. lose a couple weeks. For sure. Okay. Especially, I mean, I don't know when this would have happened, when LSD was still legal and being used experimentally the doses were insanely high and well certainly when the cia was experimenting
2: on like military personnel they were doing like a hundred times the yeah 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 you know sort of normal dosage yeah Uh,
3: or even when timothy leary was doing his research um, before he kind of became um, a sketchy guru right psychotic (laughs) They were using lots and lots, and I think nowadays the amounts that, something I'm hardly ever seeing, at least in the emergency room uh, mm-hmm. setting. So the potencies, I think, have come way down over time, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody got, especially like a high school student who's like, oh, you know, if one little piece of paper is good, then 20 must be fantastic. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys,
4: check this out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I assume that the war on drugs is just working
0: as it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I got a laugh out of the doctor. (laughs) Speaking of uh, culturally specific syndromes, there's Paris syndrome, a condition exclusive to Japanese tourists and nationals, which causes them to have a mental breakdown while in the famous city. Of Paris? Uh, Yeah. Of the millions of Japanese tourists that visit the city every year, around a dozen suffer this illness and have to be returned to their home country. The condition is basically a severe form of culture shock. Polite Japanese tourists who come to the city are unable to separate their idyllic view of the city seen in such films as Amelie with the reality of a modern, bustling metropolis.
2: Okay. That's so random. Even though
0: they come from the modern, bustling tropics of of Tokyo. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Japanese tourists who come into contact with, say, a rude French waiter will be unable to argue back and be forced to bottle up their own anger, which eventually leads to a full mental breakdown.
2: Well, hold on a second, because the rude French waiter is pretty well established in <laughs> cultural norms. Even in an
0: amelie. The Japanese embassy has a 24-hour hotline for tourists suffering from severe culture shock and can provide emergency hospital treatment if necessary.
4: In, okay. In Paris. Sure. <laughs> uh, another one. Wow. Do they just whisper to them, you can be rude back to fruit waiters. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> that was a terrible. That's racist. I didn't do an accent. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about reduplicative paramnesia? Oh, uh, this is where you forget about oddly shaped fruit.
4: This is when you oh, jump out of a plane and then remember that you forgot your parachute. Uh, paramnesia. Uh, oh, uh, that oh, was a big mistake. <laughs>
0: That joke went para-amnesia-shaped. <laughs> the belief that a place or location has been duplicated, existing in two or more places simultaneously, Ooh. or that it has been relocated to another site. Oh, like okay, this. hold on. For example, example. A, yeah. per- a person may believe that they are, in fact, not in the hospital to which they were admitted, but an identical-looking hospital in a different part of the country. Case study, patient exhibited a distinct abnormality of orientation for place, while he quickly learned and remembered that he was at the Jamaica Plain Veterans Hospital, also known as the Boston Veterans Administration Hospital. Okay. He insisted that the hospital was located in Taunton, Massachusetts, his hometown. At one time, he stated that the hospital was located in the spare bedroom of his house.
2: Oh.
4: (laughs) His house is a TARDIS.
0: I was about to say, he can fit a lot of stuff in his spare bedroom. It's bigger on the inside. Uh The term reduplicative paramnesia was first used in 1903 by a Czech Neurologist Arnold Pick, who was not afraid of extra long words,
2: obviously, (laughs) he was was not a catchy phrase guy, he was a you know, actual descriptive
0: guy to describe a condition in a patient with suspected Alzheimer's disease who insisted that she had been moved from Pick's city clinic to one she claimed looked identical but was in a familiar suburb. Okay, to explain the discrepancy, she further claimed that Pick and the medical staff worked at both locations.
2: Oh. (laughs) Everybody there has two jobs.
3: The other disease Pick, is more famously known for is Pick's disease, which is a particular type of neurodegeneration of the frontal lobes, which leads to a very spectacular kind of dementia. I think you
2: use spectacular differently than
3: I do. uh, (laughs) Where uh, the person's behavior becomes wildly disinhibited with preservation of intellect and memory. So one of the more famous examples, um, about 10 or 15 years ago, There was a gynecologist who was developing Pick's disease and after a surgery was so impressed with the quality of his surgery that he elegantly carved his initials with a scalpel into the patient's abdomen i know
5: this
2: yes and that was he was going to defend himself at a (laughs) hearing where they're trying to take his license away and his defense was it's just a disease i shouldn't lose my license over it i'm like that's exactly why you should lose your license it's just a disease
0: (laughs) it's not a tumor and then of course there's alice in wonderland syndrome or micropsia and it's related macropsia
4: That's where you think that you've been shrunk or grown really big?
0: Yeah, a condition in which a patient's sense of time, space, and body image are distorted. People may appear tiny, or patients may feel that part of their body shape or size has been altered. Uh A sufferer may perceive humans, parts of humans, animals, and inanimate objects as substantially smaller than in reality. A normal-sized car may look like a miniature model, and your average-sized pet dog shrinks to the size of a mouse. Another name for the condition is Lilliput sight or Lilliputian hallucinations.
2: Mm. Don't drive
5: if you have that. But this is
0: (laughs) this is an illusion rather than
3: a hallucination. Correct. Booyah! I just learned something, people. Got a little budding psychiatrist here in the corner.
4: uh, That's (laughs) application of knowledge learned. Only uh, eight or nine more years of education to go.
6: Breeze. (laughs) Mind over you Sometimes
0: In the pop culture.
4: Well, of course, uh, we're, g- we're going to have to talk about Psycho, the Hitchcock movie. Well, why? What does that have to do with
0: psychosis? Well, it's the first five letters. Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: that's why. That's the only reason. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the plot or the fact that Norman Bates thinks that his mother that he Spoiler killed is still alive. alert. And, yeah, was it 60 years? <laughs> Say, are we at 60 yet? No, it was 1960-something that it came out right. Uh-huh.
0: So we're at 50 years. There's no way to enjoy that movie if you know the ending. Oh, really? Oh. No. You don't think the journey is true. worth
4: it? No, it's not true? I was
0: joking.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's a
0: good movie. Yeah, oh. it's a great movie.
2: I When I first saw the when I saw it the first time, I absolutely 100% knew how it was going to end, and my skin still crawled. Yeah. It would be an even greater impact if you didn't know the ending, but it does not diminish it to a degree where you can't still enjoy
4: it. Would we say that's one of the first, like, big movies about this kind of thing? Like, where they actually took mental what illness? What year was in... it? Uh, 1960.
2: 1960. In the 20s, you've got The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, oh, right? Yeah. It's not nearly so horrifying. But it's, you know, one of the very, very earliest examples of German Expressionism. And they have this, like, really surreal landscape and these kind of, like, oddly shaped sets. And everything's just sort of off kilter. And you begin to—you feel, like, the whole way along that you're— You know, it's all set design choices and just trying to evoke a mood and blah, blah, blah. And the big reveal at the end is that this whole story was told through the eyes of a madman, right? Like he's in an insane asylum and Mm. he was the one recounting the story, right? And so that's why everything has been completely off kilter, right? Mm. So uh, I guess that must be the first example of, uh, you know, a psychosis. Right. In Good point. film, and that's a silent movie. So we've had this topic go- going on for a long time. Then, almost a contemporary to Psycho is a. It's based on a book called The Haunting of Hill House, but the movie itself is 1963 and is called The Haunting.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: It's basically it's a movie about a woman's descent into madness, and it is really creepy and weird and outstanding, and it's just this like slow and weird and creepy and just crescendos right just starts to climb the tension climbs and climbs and climbs and and like never lets you off until the very end right black and white black and white 1963 Mm -hmm. it's really well done and i i'm sure the vast majority of people who are listening have not seen it and they probably should i really enjoyed it sounds so charming Uh and it's like was done obviously with no like special effects and all this stuff it just goes to show you like because it was remade like in the '90s, and they turned into like an action movie, and it was terrible. <laughs> and this one is like it's a it's a thriller, like oh, like a psychotic thriller, right? And it's how much better it is when you have good writing and good acting and just you know good directing.
4: One that I it popped into my mind uh, immediately. It's a movie that I love is Twelve Monkeys. And oh yeah, it's a great movie. I, I kind of realized when I was when I was like checking over it again. I didn't rewatch it for this because I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. But I kind of reread the synopsis. And I, and I remembered that what's great is Brad Pitt's character is obviously psychotic. Like, he does not deal oh, yeah. with the real world in a rational fashion. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis's character becomes convinced that he himself is psychotic and that these crazy science fiction things are not real. Mm-hmm. But as we know from our viewpoint as the viewer of the movie, that's not true that he's... He really is from
0: the crazy future. He really mm-hmm. is from a crazy so, future. So what makes Brad Pitt psychotic then? What's his psychosis?
4: It's more of a general one, like he thinks, he's got all sorts of conspiracy theories about how the world works and crazy ways that he's going to fix it. Like they released the animals to try and send a message to the world. He's just kind of off kilter all the time, doesn't see things normally, like fits right in with that. I I don't know if they ever exactly said what What his his break is, but he's obviously out of his mind. Yeah, he's crazy.
2: 12 Monkeys is one of those movies that just begs people to watch it over and over and over again because the first time you watch it you get to the end of that movie and you are not 100% sure what exactly just happened
0: yeah,
4: yeah. I remember that yeah <laughs> the, the
0: disorientation
4: yeah. it
2: makes you feel like you just had a psychotic break right
4: yeah and you start going well okay it seems like that was the reality but what if maybe he was saying that it wasn't I don't know yeah but yeah, it's pretty obvious that there is a, there is a truth in there to be seen, yeah. like a certain that, the, that t- Terry Gilliam has decided, no, this is the thing that really happened. But it's awesome that you're, even when you rewatch it, you're still like, what the? Yeah, well, maybe he's huh? not. Like, yeah. Unlike Fight Club, you watch Fight Club that second time and you're like, oh man, this well, is totally different. But it you watch the... 12 Monkeys the second time and you still go, okay, but maybe it's not real? Because it's so finely crafted. But I mean, that's a good point. You close the Brad Pitt circle because there's
2: obviously a psychotic break in Fight Club as well. Yeah, he hallucinates a whole other life, right? Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah.
4: Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not about soap. Brad
2: Pitt likes to play psychotic characters. Showing or trend? one
0: half of one.
2: Or, or maybe Terry Gilliam is slightly psychotic, and he's just like he actually thinks he's shooting a straight film. <laughs> or or maybe we're just so done. <laughs> He thinks he's shooting documentary. (laughs) I'm the greatest documentary filmmaker of all time. That would
4: explain another great one with some, well, just generally crazy people uh, and some psychotic episodes by Terry Gilliam, which would be the Fisher King. Oh, yeah, of with course. With uh, the fantastic... Now, that's a, a monothematic psychosis, I think they call that, where, like, one event in your life sets you off and makes you have these recurring uh, psychotic breaks. Making and, you think you're Robin Williams. Making <laughs> Robin Williams was just... Uh, was he, he was a history professor, and he was out uh, having dinner with his wife, and then this crazy follower of a shock jock walks into the restaurant and blows his wife's brains out right in front of him, and Robin Williams goes crazy and ends up living on the streets and he gets found by the shock jock later and they form this friendship and they discover all the things that happens. It's fantastic, fantastic movie. Yeah. I love it. Robin Williams' character constantly hallucinates. Yeah, he hallucinates. He uh, Whenever he gets close to dealing with his past, he imagines that this red knight on a horse is coming after him. But the red knight is done in this beautiful costume that looks kind of like blood flowing back. Like his armor is very reminiscent of blood exploding outwards. Mm-hmm. So it's him re-envisioning his wife dying in front of him and he retreats and runs away from it.
3: I got to see this movie. It is a oh.
4: fantastic... I can't believe you haven't well seen it, honestly. Well,
3: I think I did, but it was probably distracted 15 years ago. And we'll expect your diagnosis after that, mm-hmm. after you finish watching it.
4: Excellent. Around. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure they're not dealing with the mental health issues exactly accurately. Uh, a lot of the characters, I think, are just genuinely kind of just crazy. Oh, that guy's crazy. Yeah. I think we've really hit on a Terry Gilliam theme here because he tried to make Don Quixote,
2: which is all about yeah. a character who hallucinates and sees things that aren't there and tilts at windmills on the whole nine yards, And right? even
4: Brazil just does not seem real. Yeah. That world, like everything doesn't seem right. And the guy then envisions himself as the angel. And Terry
3: Gilliam gets some help. He's very good at portraying psychosis. Mm -hmm. Excellent, please, Terry, for your don't get help. Actually, don't get help. Keep making
4: movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody (laughs) around Terry Gilliam, please take care of him, (laughs) so he doesn't drown his movies in the bathtub, (laughs) Uh, and then he
3: gets them out to us too soon.
4: Uh, 2001, 10 years, right? Okay, I I, I
2: approve. You get the Kevin Leeson distasteful stamp of approval.
4: And I I said movies, not babies, you know.
0: Mine's 24 hours. I don't know what your problem is.
4: (laughs) How about Eraserhead? Torrin, you've seen Eraserhead.
0: Yeah, it's David Lynch's first feature. Okay, so that promises to be weird right from the get-go. Absolutely. You know, I think this is all of his films stripped away into just disgusting surrealism. So it's not necessarily psychotic, it's just... (laughs) filming choice it's definitely surreal i don't you could say that it is just from a psychotic viewpoint
5: Mm -hmm. but it's not
0: necessarily i mean david lynch has never said what is going on in this film no and he never will but uh, he he probably doesn't know himself (laughs) did he really (laughs) make it for ten thousand dollars yeah he made it over a period of five years and kind of stops and starts and you, if you look, you can kind of see in the movie, like, <laughs> one character aged, like, 18 months and stuff like that. <laughs> but in a post-apocalyptic society, Henry Spencer works in a factory. He learns his ex-girlfriend Mary has given birth to his child, a mutant baby who cries all the time. She moves into his apartment, and they constantly struggle with caring for the baby as it refuses to eat and continually whines throughout the night. I had this movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it until because I knew I had to be in the right frame of mind. Right. It's one of these kinds of films. This is right. why I haven't watched it yet.
5: <laughs> I'm still waiting for the right frame yeah. of mind.
0: <laughs> so the time came when I was living with Mike Jackson, uh, my my good friend who directed uh, our 20 Minutes of Oxygen video, music video for The Darks of Hillside Tickets. And Great video, by the way. He, I was living with him and he said, let's all watch Racerhead. So that was a night. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Was, nice. Everyone should watch Eraserhead. Okay. Stop putting it off, Joe. All
5: right.
0: <laughs> because it's not the greatest film in the world, but
4: right. it, it's. But the, you need to see it. Yeah, it's okay. part of should film I, culture. Should I, think, I invite and, people over to watch it? Was it yeah. worthwhile watching with other people? I think so. To go what yeah, the fuck while absolutely. you're watching. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll make a movie night.
0: And why is it called Eraserhead? I'll tell you why. Is it? And this it's... gives a little insight into the rest of the film. Okay. <laughs> Henry has a dream where his head pops off, and his baby's head. Comes up from between his shoulders, replacing it. Henry's head sinks into a growing pool of blood on a tile floor, falls from the sky, and finally lands on an empty street in the industrial wasteland and cracks open. A young boy finds Henry's broken head and takes it to a pencil factory, where the head is taken to a back room. His brain is determined to be a serviceable material for pencil erasers.
4: Oh, Okay, okay, so that's what's called eraser
0: head. And well, that uh,
4: makes perfect sense. Uh... <laughs>
0: that's kind of the tone uh, of, of the, the movie. movie wow that's pretty and it, 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 pretty, it pretty much had me laughing hysterically by the end just because <laughs> it was so weird and awesome okay john waters often mentioned racerhead as his favorite film stanley Kubrick repeatedly said the same this is one of the films he made the cast and crew of this shining watch to get in the right frame of mind oh god <laughs> mel brooks saw it and offered lynch the chance to direct the elephant man which of course he accepted Mm-hmm. And George Lucas asked Lynch to direct Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, and Lynch turned it what? down, as we know. That
5: okay, why very... did he turn
4: it down? <laughs> this <laughs> is more goddamn proof that George Lucas is out of his fucking mind.
0: Now, all this info comes from IMDb.com, so I'm don't, not exactly sure what the original source is. But... Yeah.
3: So, David, David, here's my idea. <laughs> so, there's this Death Star... And these little bears. <laughs> yep, some teddy bears. And it's the little bears. And the he The little said space no. bears versus the Death Star. <laughs> and they win. <laughs> have you seen Pi, David Aronofsky's film, from yeah. about ten years oh, ago? Right. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful portrayal of uh, psychosis in there. You'll have to remind me the plot of Pi. He's a loner mathematician who is trying to figure out the causal factors that drive the stock market. Okay. Not because he wants to be rich, because he wants deep insight into the mathematical structure of the universe. Okay, and so his example is the stock market. He and said, he's and he's also a, uh, a um, Orthodox Jew, right? Not a um, a devout one, but he ends up hooking up with these guys, these Kabbalah mystery guys yeah. in this coffee shop, and they're also looking for the the, the the numerical mysteries within the Torah, and they recognize that this guy uh, has deep, mad mathematical skills, and he's chasing down this particular number, right? Um. Obviously, I forget. It's an irrational number, mm-hmm. so it got, got a lot of, lot of decimals, digits, yeah. <laughs> and um, just absolutely wonderful. There are these scenes where he gets severe migraines, and every time he gets his migraine pain, then he starts having flashbacks of memories of looking at the sun, and then sort of implied images of, of of either being God or understanding the mystery of God and the mystery of the universe. And then at the very end, as his computer is spitting out the number, he is spitting out the number, but he decides he doesn't want the mystery for some reason, or he's satisfied having solved it, and then he literally drills his mathematical skills out of his mind. Oh, yeah.
4: Now, an Aronofsky movie that also deals with psychosis, I like to think of this as, as a psychotic break in slow motion, done artistically, is Black Swan.
3: Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, yeah.
4: I mean, it's super artistic, and it's never, I don't know if it's ever even mentioned as a mental breakdown, because it's done so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
3: basically... Oh, absolutely, She's yeah. slow yeah.
4: motion, losing her mind, and mm-hmm. reality is slipping Flipping away, and we get to see it throughout the whole film, and it's beautifully shot, well-acted. I often get annoyed by movies that don't have, like, kind of a, not much of a story, right? Because yeah. there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of uh, plot. Plot going on no. in Black Swan. But I still really enjoyed... Taking that little weird journey.
2: I th- I agree with you that the subtlety of the collapse of her brain, or mind, her mm-hmm. mental faculties, is a, it starts out as such a slow burn that I've seen it twice now and I still am not 100% sure exactly where she snaps, right? Yeah. Exactly where where the, ex- the exact transition is. But that's probably from... much like true life. No, absolutely. The, the lines start to blur yeah. until all of a sudden, you know, you're unrecognizable or you don't really recognize the world around you and... Does she die in the end? That all that stuff happened. Like, did she kill the other girl? Like, there's yeah. so many questions left open. In Be-
4: because the- those questions are answered in reality. And yeah. by the end of the movie, you're not dealing with that anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Like he, he really does a masterful job
0: of putting you in this girl's shoes. Yep. What is her psychosis? Does she have Alice in Wonderland syndrome or capgrass delusion or, yeah. or- delusional
3: misidentification? Oh, there you go. Yeah she right. comes she comes to identi- identify with the character that she's created in her own mind the black swan mm-hmm. until that completely takes over her personality and then mm-hmm. at the end and this 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 can happen in psychotic patients right after she in in reality has accidentally or on spoiler purpose, alerts when there's that blood that's coming from somewhere and it's the transformation into the black swan mm-hmm. and then later back in her dressing room she's actually stabbed herself psychotic patients have a st- astonishing capacity to tolerate pain. I've worked with um, a psychotic individual who, when he gets psychotic, believed that the members of his own family became trapped in his fingers, and to set them free would saw his own fingers off. Wow. Um, I've worked with psychotic patients who have thought that their eye was possessed by a demon, and... Take a razor and slice out their own eye. <laughs>
5: oh, yeah, 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 God. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. You, what
3: kind of sound do you think that makes?
5: <laughs> oh! Oh!
4: See, and I was only kind of grossed out. I was only kind of like,
2: oh, that's bad. What sound yeah, does that yeah. make? Ah!
4: That's the sound sure. it makes. It makes ah! I'm pretty sure I
2: know what the sound of cutting your own finger off
4: would be. I wasn't sure about razoring your own eyeball. It would be so subtle. It would just be this creepy little.
3: Thsh. I've seen individuals who have, um, uh, castrated themselves, right. no. or but but in a weird way, like only castrate like one testicle, mm. uh, and then nearly mm-hmm. nearly bleed to death and the up in the hospital, way. as opposed to
2: yeah. the normal
3: way. <laughs>
5: well, yeah. both, you know. <laughs>
2: but but black swan i think uh, correctly point out that killed
3: she's stabbed herself fatally she's dying and yet she's able to maintain this high energy completely compelling ballerina performance
5: Mm
2: -hmm. i really really enjoyed that movie and i know some people hated it for probably the same reasons that i loved it which i think is like excellent filmmaking because you're an irrational
0: number
4: a beautiful mind has anybody seen this Yes, oh, yeah. seen about that and read John the book. Uh, the mm. thing that I really liked about this, and I want to ask you, Dr. Rob, yeah. uh, again, this is a spoiler for it. Uh, it's about John Nash, who's a mathematician, uh, played Russell by Crow. Russell Crowe. He hallucinates these people that talk to him. There's a, a younger mm. girl, there's a, a secret agent or something, yeah. mm-hmm. and he, for most of his life, he has all these horrible problems because of this. And near the end, because his medication interferes with his ability to do the math that he loves so much, he decides to not take his medication and to rationally reject his hallucinations. And the thing is, this is based on a real guy yeah. who apparently has done this.
3: Yeah, it's a bit different in his actual life story. First of all, he didn't he didn't see, he didn't have visual hallucinations, which are actually quite uncommon in schizophrenia. Okay. But it's... Pretty hard to make a movie about auditory hallucinations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the book, Unless it's, it's the haunting. in the book it's auditory hallucinations, and he never really had clear. Early on, never had clear insight into what was going on. But over time, uh, and this actually, this this can actually happen with a lot of psychotic individuals over several decades, the symptomatology can partially burn out. Better oh, to
2: burn out than to fade away. Yeah,
3: but for decades he was lost, right? And he was just sort of be wandering the the campus at Princeton. He would occasionally um, show up in Switzerland. Burning his US, U.S. passport, renouncing America, he would get paranoid about America and the American government. And every time, you know, uh, embassy staff would kind of swoop in and go, "He's not right. Let's get him out of here before he does something spectacularly stupid." And then there, then there was a period of his life where he, he may actually have been followed by the the CIA or the FBI because there are some uh, mentions in in the in the book of maybe some uh, homosexual interests. And of course, you know this is just endlessly fascinating to the United States government Mm -hmm. in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're if you're gay or communist, there's a file about you. Right. Um, (laughs) And especially if you're uh, a super brilliant mathematician that works for the RAND Institute and keeps trying to renounce your citizenship and burn your passport all over (laughs) Europe.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it's reasonable to follow that guy. Like, even if it's just, hey, he might be psychotic. Let's make sure he doesn't kill somebody important. Mm -hmm. Right. Or
0: make work project to me.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I mean go he it course, sounds like sounds like they just wanted to go to Switzerland <laughs> and, and he would have had access to very top-level cryptography information all mm. sorts of mathematical information he's involved in sort of mathematical modeling in game theory mm-hmm. uh, so war simulation things like that right, so yeah, that's
4: what he eventually won the uh, the, Nobel the Nobel Prize, Nobel prize for, for, for the
3: for the for the Nash equilibrium mm-hmm. he um, did eventually start to kind of get get it back together. As far as I know, I don't believe he ever stuck with medication in any significant way. So the movie, I don't know why, but the movie made a bigger deal out of medication than is actually the case in his biography. I believe he's still alive and he was together enough to actually go to the Nobel ceremony and mm-hmm. give a speech and then talk about some of the work that he's he's doing now. And it was sort of this kind of crazy stuff like this idea of uh, electromagnetic friction uh, on the effect on photons Crazy general up. relativity math, yeah,
2: yeah. So, well, here but here's the point that Joe brought up. Does he still maintain these hallucinations, but he rationalizes them away, like he thinks past the hallucination?
3: Maybe. I mean, there's sort of so many ways this could play out. My hunch would be that that's possible. It's also mm-hmm. possible that that's just kind of an explanatory device that he's come up with for, for hallucinations, which is just naturally loosen their grip over time, which right. is sort of the natural history of schizophrenia. Oh, okay. For the positive symptoms to kind of loosen their grip somewhat over the decades.
4: Only gradually on his own did he... In- intellectually reject, as he says, some of the delusionally influenced and politically oriented thinking as a waste of effort. However, by nineteen ninety five, although he was thinking rationally again in the style that is characteristic of scientists, he says he also felt more limited. So he still feels a little held back by
0: by sanity. By sanity. I feel that I way too so. sometimes. <laughs> Let's be honest.
1: <laughs> Zoo, 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 it's such a zoo, weird zoo, 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 feeling To zoo, know you're zoo, alive zoo, zoo, It's such an zoo, awful zoo, zoo, feeling You're Zool dying Zool inside Zool, And Zool. when you wake Zool. up Stopped to say I hope I don't go crazy today It's such a bad feeling An ominous feeling A feeling you know that Zool.
0: We'll be back When the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have
1: things you want to hear about. We will too
3: caustic soda was recorded by mike leeson while sawing off his own fingers to set kevin free for show notes pictures and videos visit causticsodapodcast.com email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com visit us on facebook and rate us on itunes our twitter is at caustic podcast thanks for listening
1: you crazy freaks <laughs>
4: Before we go, I want to I want to talk about uh, Team Fortress Two, the uh, video game they just released a couple weeks ago. Their Meet the Pyro video, they do uh, this little Meet the of all the different classes in this game, mm-hmm. and all the characters being uh, soldiers and fighters in this archetypes uh, in this their archetypes in this crazy shoot 'em up video game mm-hmm. are all out of their minds. Like they've made them all like pretty much crazy. Mm-hmm. And then there's one character, the Pyro, who is always in this this breathing. Mask and full fireproof outfit, and you never see their face. And you he can't even. Things, like he's got a, he, flame he's got a huge flamethrower. You can never understand anything he says. It's all. I mean, it's like Kenny from from South Park and they finally did the Meet the Pyro and it is a brilliant, hilarious depiction yeah. of a psychotic break yeah, by this we character. Honestly,
2: I honestly don't even want to ruin it. We'll just no. post the video. We'll post a link to the video yeah. on the website, com, and encourage every single one of our listeners to go check it out. It is awesome.
4: I mean, there's also Mazes and Monsters, the old Dungeons and Dragons will make you crazy movie where Tom Hanks goes crazy. Uh, Babylon, there's all sorts of bad guys who...